Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Arrington, and today's episode is a bonus episode, a very special bonus episode, chatting all about one of the films that premiered at Fright Fest last month. Um, And yeah, today I'm joined by a very, very special guest. It's Nicholas Vince, actor-director Nicholas Vince, one of the UK's shining beacons in the queer horror scene, most well-known for his debut role as the Chatterer in Clive Barker's Hellraiser and Kinski in Cult Shock and Nightbreed. Welcome to the show, Nicholas. Hello. Hello, Ben. (laughs) Hello. That's a lovely introduction. Thank you. I like that. (laughs) No problem. You deserve it. You deserve a great introduction. Of course you do. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us because we didn't manage to speak to you at Fright Fest um, because you're a man in demand, of course. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was really, really, really good fun. And it was just like, oh, gosh, all these people want to talk to me about my film. And well, two films, um, because I as well as doing films, I, am yeah. Monsters, yeah, I Am Monsters on the Monday, I have a great cameo in How to Kill Monsters. Stuart, Exclusively. So. uh Films with monsters in the title, then. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I managed to I managed to catch up with you very, very briefly at the event. However, we didn't manage to cross paths again, which was when we were going to hopefully get you on camera. So we've managed to catch up afterwards, which is which is great, which is wonderful. I'm very glad uh, that we've managed to do this. Thanks for taking the time. That's my pleasure. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So first of all, thank you for joining us, Nicholas. Um, congratulations on I Am Monsters and, of course, How to Kill Monsters. But before we get started, here are some details on your film, um, which is both a resoundingly nostalgic and relatable tale of growing up in love of horror and an essential discourse on the tor- turmoil of growing up gay under draconian Fatcherian. Fatcherian? I don't know if I've ever said that word out loud. I don't know why I would. Uh, <laughs> rule where the closet was always safest. I Am Monsters is a documentary adaptation of autobiographical one-man stage show. That sums it up, I think, doesn't it? It does. Yes, yes. I'm assuming it's written by Greg Day for um, Fright Fest. He did a really, really good job on it. 
Um, yeah. I did. Yeah, unfortunately, I did steal that from somewhere else. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You didn't mean to, yeah, I didn't mean to blow the gaff on that. No, one. no, it's fine. <laughs> I, we can, we can peek, we can peek under the curtain. It's, it's no, there's no problem with that. I think everybody knows. Okay. Uh, uh, I thought it was it, it summed up perfectly. Anyway, anything I could have written wouldn't have come close. So, right. <laughs> so, so it's all good. Um, and of course, the film premiered at Fright Fest last month. So, how was? How was the event? How was the screening? And how was the film received as well? Um, it was it, it was one of those things. Um, I'm very lucky. My husband makes... Um, oh, God, you're going to get a lot of information now. This is what really happened, but underneath <laughs> the curtain. So uh, my wonderful husband, Craig, um, really enjoys sewing and creating clothes and decided that he was going to make me a jacket for the premiere. Uh, I would design the material and Craig would make the jacket. And um, I, it took me ages to to eventually decide on the material. Um, you want, we could get printed up and for this jacket and long story short, bless him. Um, because I'd given him so little time having faffed around with the design for so long he was literally finishing it off on the morning of the premiere so it's like as long as you're there by 10 30 i can get changed ready for 11 o'clock to be at the cinema <laughs> and he didn't make it until 10 45 so we were running around fortunately had a friend had a hotel room uh nearby so that i could get changed into my outfit ready for it it was great i mean sitting seeing it with an audience the first time i mean i watched it technically with a few people and got some really positive feedback but actually just literally sitting with an audience of 70 odd people and we were packed it was absolutely full um just laughing laughing at all there was one gag that didn't land and i know why so i might change it for the blu-ray um well it's good you could do that if yeah absolutely but it was it was fun people really people laughed when i wanted them to they went huh? when i wanted them to um and kind of planned them to and they were silent for the bits where i thought oh yes this is where we're talking about and i just really want people to think about this mm. the feedback was great i ended up by hugging most members of the audience on their way out just because I happened to be standing by the door. <laughs> it's like, it's okay, you just everybody. In fact, we had to be hurried out because I can't. You're getting talking. a hug on the way out. I'm getting Come another on. hug. Bring it in. Yeah, people were telling me how, people were really telling me how much um, they enjoyed it. I was chatting with friends afterwards, um, one of whom's a professor at uh, a, a university, I think Cambridge off the top of my head, but don't quote me. Um, and she was saying, you know, have, she really liked the philosophy uh, going on, but also that I don't answer all the questions that I pose. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, this is my story. It's, but I really just wanted to say, this is what it was like. Now you think about what that means to you. This is my experience. I'm not telling you how you should react, apart from when I crack a joke. It's always nice if people laugh at jokes. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. And the reviews have been very positive. We've got three and a half and four star reviews. So I was very pleased with that. Mm -hmm. It's it, it's a very it's very different and it's very it's not a feature film. It's me talking for 70 minutes telling stories. And it's not what you expect. I think you know one of the um reviewers says 
I don't know how to give this a star rating because it's so different from anything else. Yeah, so yeah, we describe it, yeah, we describe it as a documentary because it's factual. Um, it does include clips from the films. Um, you know, the, I'm telling the stories about what's going on behind it. But it's also a meditation on what it is to be a monster and why I felt myself to be a monster in the past. And people mm. have accused me of being a monster. And, I, and I've behaved as a monster. So, yeah, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I had a great day. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, I couldn't actually even get a ticket because because it's not that fast. I had, I had probably like three. So I, I absolutely love documentaries or anything along those lines. I know this isn't a standard documentary mm. because there aren't any really like talking heads or there's not really input from anybody well, else is, talking about say again, one sorry. Talking head. One there talking one, head. It's my talking head. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's your talking head, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um so it's a very like unconventional documentary, isn't it? Mm. And there was like maybe three initially when I was booking booking the tickets for discovery screenings in Fright Fest, so I was like, right, okay, these are maybe the three things I need, and they were all like documentary or, or kind of documentaries. All right. And yeah, and you're sold out, so it must have sold out super quick. It, it did, yeah, definitely for the, and we sold out at the, so there was the, so there was always two parts to the selling out of this. There's the, there's the Fright Fest pass holder tickets. So let me yeah. number of those. Those went really, really quickly. And a lot of mates who I knew would, wanted to come and see weren't able to make it. Um, and then there were the um, paid seats as well. So yeah. we sold it was basically a couple of rows of uh, passes and the rest are all paid seats, um, apart from the ones, um, the six that I got given. So we had, yeah, I, I mean, people actually paid money to come and see it as well, which I thought was really very, very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, as I say, it was literally a, a sellout, which is I mean. Really which is wonderful how did the jacket go down there it was very good it's very good it's very subtle um you have to it's not it's what is known as a chalk stripe um jacket uh okay. a design and if you get really close to it you can see that it's made up of a chain a long chain and then oh. the three covers the three sides of the box from hellraiser oh, and then yeah. i always do a doodle of the chatterer whenever i sign the signature and it's oh. tiny. I mean, you know, these things are like three, four minutes. So you have to be really close to me to understand exactly what the pattern is. But otherwise, it just looks like a chalk stripe. That's good, though. I like that. And, yeah. a, and a one of a kind as well. Yeah, Imagine completely. Yeah. What collectors would pay for that? Not that <laughs> not, not, not you'd sell it, of course. Um, obviously, obviously, you mentioned the chatter, and there's mm. loads of chatter memorabilia behind you. Mm. Um in the in, when I was writing my questions, I kind of thought I'm going to stick to Iron Monsters, not really talk about the Chatter or Hellraiser, just because sometimes you don't know. And I thought I'd ask you this: mm. sometimes with your most like iconic role, your most iconic character, something that's really connected to you as an actor, and kind of like what most people you would say would know you for, mm. is it occasion occasionally that some people would be like, I, "I'm kind of sick of being defined by this particular character," or do you feel like you just fully embrace it and you just love it and love the fandom that kind of goes with it? I, I this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do the film because in it I reveal why the Chatra looks the way he does. There's a long story. Um, in fact, about the first twenty, you know, um, there's about a twenty-minute section dis devoted to the Chatra as. Not to the makeup process, it, that's included, but mm. really what was going on in my life that ex explains why the Chatterer looks as the way he does. 
Um, so I wanted to get that out there. I'm always reminded of um, Vincent Price, who said, thank heavens for typecasting, uh, because he's, you know, <laughs> he made a career out of playing tall, suave, darkly sinister characters um, and really fun. I'm just really grateful. I've, and the reason I'm grateful is because people are talking about this. 86, so 20, 37 years after we filmed it, I'm still talking to people like yourself. Um, I talked to people who were not born when we made this film and you yeah. know, who really enjoy it and really appreciate it and want to know more about it. So I'm just very grateful as an actor to actually be associated with something that has stood the test of time so well is an incredibly fortunate thing. Um, so yeah, I'm never, and people said, surely you're on, you're bored with answering the question, how long does it take to put the makeup on? And I thought, no, because <laughs> somebody else, somebody else said to me, another guest at a convention said, okay, I may have heard this hundreds of times, but for that person, that's the first time they've ever asked that question. It's the first time mm. they've met me. Yeah. They want, they, you know, they'll have made a great deal of effort to come and see me at a convention or a screening or something. Um, and th that is the question that they've come up with. I mm. think that, you know, one treats that with huge respect as far as I'm concerned. So, no, I'm just really very, very grateful. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Um that's, that 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 is great, and obviously, yeah, you you do seem to have a, a really good collection of memorabilia behind you. Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, actually, 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 one of the actually, beep, 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 where is the one we're talking about? Chatterer at the moment. Uh, let me see. There is one here. If you listen to the audio, I I I really do recommend going and watching the YouTube video as well, just so you can see this. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. If you're yes. Yeah, sorry, guys. This does not work on radio. So this. <laughs> can you see let me put this yeah there we are you can see that nicely so this is made out of the tin i'm informed of number plates it's made out okay of um it is made by floor palomar painted um and it you'll see it's written in spanish and it says, I'm a big fan of the Hellraiser movies, but one night while walking on a lonely street, Chatra, one of the main characters in the movie, appeared to me. I thank Saint Michael the Archangel that although I nearly fell down, I managed to escape. I do not know if it was a product of my imagination or if it was real, but that experience scared me very much. Oh my God. And then on... Um, Actual uh, Chatter came to... <laughs> and I've got another story about that as well. And this one's Nightbreed, and it, he says, I dedicate this votive offering to St. James for the talented Nicholas Vince. He has portrayed so many memorable characters and acted very well, even when wearing a lot of makeup and costumes. He truly is a master of his craft. And amazing. it's just like these are beautiful. Yeah, you know, these are such amazing time and effort that must have gone into those as well. You know, and it's like this collection of, and, and you mentioned Funko Pop and so on. But a gentleman believed he saw a chatterer. And I, you know, I have no reason to doubt his experience. I remember talking to a young woman at a convention who said that she persuaded her friend when they were at school, and I think they're probably about 16, 17 years old, or possibly a little younger, that the chatterer lived in the local woods. 
And she said this story had then gone round the school. No. <laughs> There's so a chair in the local woods. Oh, yeah, what? somewhere in America. There is, and oh, it's in America like, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I got on a flight. Like, I wonder, you know, does it, does it, this was years ago. This is more than a decade ago, but I do like the idea that perhaps there's there's a school, there's a town where the kids believe that the chatterer lives in the woods. And I think, yeah, that's cool. That's that's very, very cool. So there's yeah, plenty it, of people who are who are having chatterer nightmares, like probably as we speak. Um, because I think everyone's got their the the the, the, oh. the Cenobite that they're the most scared of, haven't they? Yeah, I think, you know, the lady, I, I remember when, God, about a year after the first film came out, I was in, oh no, more than that, probably about three years, because I was writing comics, and I was, um, I was out at a pub in Brixton, and one of the, my artist's friends there, and his girlfriend, we were there, wait, a bunch of, half a dozen of us, and his girlfriend turned up, and he just introduced, he said, this is Nick. He's, he played the chatterer in Hellraiser. She literally took one look at me and ran from the pub. And had to go out and look for her. She didn't appear for 20 minutes later. Never seen whenever, whenever I met her, you know, <laughs> afterwards, didn't yeah. matter how nice I was and how smiley and friendly, nope, I was the chatterer. And Maybe the more really... smiley you were, yeah. the worse, the worse <laughs> it was for her. Oh, yeah. God, no. yeah, yeah, come to think of it. Yeah, that was probably a bad move. Yeah. <laughs> I, rem I remember, so I've, I've told this story a couple of times. It's like, one, I've got loads of really early um, horror memories, but one of them is just the VHS of Hellraiser just being on a shelf that obviously my dad owned. And like, I just had no idea. Like, obviously I knew some stuff about horror, but this felt like a next, the next level for me. I remember looking at the sleeve, looking at the pictures on the back and just not, not being able to comprehend like what it could, what it could possibly be. <clears throat> and, and eventually when I did watch it, which was actually when I was quite a lot older, it didn't, it wasn't like I saw it really young and it, and it really affected me. I, I, I purposely waited because I kind of was so um, unsure of what mm. could potentially be in there. And I remember saying to my dad, like, oh, what is this? Should I watch it. He's like, oh, it's terrifying. You don't want to see it. <laughs> and I believed him. Like, usually I'd be like, like my mum, my mum did the same with The Exorcist. And I purposely sought it out because I thought I've got to see that. But with Hellraiser, I was like, maybe I'll wait a while. <laughs> it's really fascinating. We, we, I was talking, funnily enough, I was out with, Barbie Wilde, who played female Cenobite in Hellraiser 2, Simon Bamford, who plays Butterball in both Hellraiser films, and Onaka in Nightbreed. And I was out with Hugh Ross, who plays Narcisse in Nightbreed, and Anne Bobby, who plays Laurie in Nightbreed. Wow. Um, uh, Anne was across for, uh, 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 across for a few days, and we all met up for dinner. And Barbie, was, we were talking about this, you know, the number of times you go to conventions, you think, you are how old when you watch this film? What were yeah. your parents thinking? And he's like, I think, well, a lot of them, you know, the people I meet seem to be fairly balanced, you know, they seem to be okay. And what also came up with this conversation is that generally, genuinely, we love horror fans because they're the nicest people. Mm. You know, they are so cool. I think, you know, horror fans really and i think this again going back to i am monsters this is what a couple of people have said to me yeah really because i talk about really being the other being different being the outsider 
a lot of people identify with that um so yeah yeah i guess a lot of people in the horror community identify with that as well mm. um but yeah horror, horror fans usually cool cool um usually very interesting mm. and usually usually like really not judgmental at all i feel like in the horror on the horror sphere everybody seems to be mostly i say mostly level-headed like you, horror fans get a certain stick from like a lot of people who would say like oh you watch all all you all you watch is horror films you go to horror conventions well you must be maybe a little bit sick in the head but i think like most horror fans are probably the most normal people i've ever met well, I, I always come back to something that happened during the pandemic was that there was a, a study done by a university in New York during the so I'm thinking 2020. And they were saying people who read and watch horror films are doing better than other people. And I think it's because you exercise the fear muscles, if there isn't a muscle, yeah. but you exercise what it is to be afraid. You deal with what mm. it is to be afraid. And I think that's an important, going back to kids again, I think kids are interested, you know, it's why the Goosebump books are so popular is because kids like being scared. It's mm. fun. They find it exciting. They like that adrenaline rush. And being able to deal with that emotion so that it, you're not, you know, when you're scared, you, you're flight or fright, you're going to be in a possibly, a, you know, we're talking about not being watching a horror film, but in, in real life, another situation, you're not going to panic or you are less likely to panic. You can deal with that fear. You can deal with, you can use that adrenaline to help you get out of a situation. It's almost um, like that's front, it's front and center. You're so mm. familiar with it. It's front and center. You can easily draw upon it. Whereas mm. people are maybe not so much. It's not such an easy, an easy method for them to, to reach those places. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Mm. I mean, a lot of this stuff is, is sort of um, formatic, a thematic idea in the film as well. Um, I mean, so going back to Iron Monsters, it's an adaptation of the one-man stage show. Mm. Uh, so how was translating that show into a documentary? What was challenging about that? Well, I mean, basically, we could have stuck cameras on me whilst I was doing a live performance. And there it does include a live performance. We had a small audience came to join me um, as part of the film. We filmed over five days. The challenge was to make sure... Well, if you just put um, a camera in the audience and show the whole stage, that means you're going to not be able to show um, mid shots and close ups. Mm -hmm. And that means I think you lose a lot of the connectivity to the audience sitting in the cinema. So I was very conscious about this. And the other thing is it, it involves two sequences. Uh, well, there are three illustrative um pieces of animation which goes back to that 20 minute description of how the chatter came to be um but there's a, a part of the state the original stage show and part of the film is me performing parts of the text of books that really influenced me as a as a teenager as a kid or a, or a teenager um, and I wanted to include those uh, because partly to give a break, um, but also, yeah, I mean, partly to give a break, but also just to kind of help people understand what my thinking was and, and why I behaved in certain ways. 
And so the challenge always was, how do I keep this interesting? Because otherwise it could just be me being, you know, being the single talking head for 72 minutes is a tough call. It's easier to do it on stage. I think people understand if you're going to see a one man show, that's it. You're mm -hmm. just going to see a one man show when you're not yeah. expecting huge, great things to to happen. Um, and it worked very well. It works because I'm not saying that I'll never perform it again. Um, it works as a one man show. So yeah, I just wanted to. So there's an animation done by a guy called Ashley Lawrence, which illustrates an excerpt from Dracula. Um, I did some, but there is a. <laughs> What Kim Newman described in his review as a hilarious Trumpton-esque um, <laughs> animation sequence, for those of you who are old enough in the UK to remember Trumpton and Candlewick yeah. Green, um, where we basically got models to show a sequence. It was a very short sequence. I think it's about a minute and a half in total. Yeah. Um, but that was it's just like, that's where some of the laughs come as well. And it's just, you know, but also the fun of kind of like saying, okay, now you're not on the stage. Now you're kind of come really close to me because this, this I'm talking about is very intimate. It's very personal and quite difficult and difficult subject. So we, when we were um, doing, and I was hugely helped by Stuart Spark, who happens to be the director of How To Oh, Come. wow, yeah, okay. So Stuart and Paul Butler, who's part of Dark Rift, uh, sorry, who are Dark Rift um, films? Uh, they were they're my co-producers, and they really helped on this. So they, this was one of the things that we just said, okay, yeah, how can we make this? They were they were really supportive, really enthusiastic. Yeah, we can do this. We can do something that's interesting. Um, so did that happen off, off the back of? Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt there, Nicholas. Did did that sure. come back off the back of How to Kill Monsters? Then was that something that was? No, it came off the back of another monsters film, which is Book of Monsters. Book of Monsters, yeah. Which <laughs> came out of Creature Below, which was one of their earlier films, which they screened. So basically, it all began years ago when um, a friendship with with uh, Paul and Stuart began when they came on um chattering with nicholas events youtube channel which i used to run interview channel which i used to run um and it's, and, a, great, and it's a great name for the youtube channel yeah <laughs> chattering has to be in there somewhere <laughs> um and then i'm really impressed i really loved working for them um and then they said oh would you like to be how to get involved in how to kill monsters um i'm oh, sorry book of monsters and I said, yeah great and had really good fun on that one then and then when i thought okay who do i want to work with i need to really work with um two people the other person uh company i was thinking of working with were based up in scotland and um stuart and paul are based um leeds york way and i just thought yeah they're closer um but yeah, also yeah. i just really enjoyed working with them um, as I say, they brought, they really helped, uh, you know, shape the script. Um, the idea of putting in, it's got act, it's, it starts something, you know, this is a play in five acts. Because it is, it is kind of, a, it is a play, because it's just me talking. Um, there aren't any special effects, there's no, there are no recreations of what's going on. Well, there's a couple 
where it kind mm. of recreate. Yeah, no, there are. Actually, no, we did manage to. Just having said that, of course, I'm realizing now there are at least two yeah. where we're kind think... of recreating uh, what happened yeah. to tell the story mm. in different ways. And I think just... the storytelling methods are, are very unique. Um, like, so very, very creative. Obviously, a few times when like you, there's more than one of you um, on screen, not on stage, of course, that would be pretty much impossible but but uh, just on the screen which which was great i really i really like that it reminded me of that bit in jurassic park when richard attenborough appears on the screen there's like three different versions of him talking through the the dna the dino dna i yeah. thought it was, it was very reminiscent of that but also obviously you've, we've already mentioned you perform in very iconic roles um from very iconic scenes was that almost like you were taking some of you like dream roles in a way and be, be and sort of giving yourself the opportunity to to at least perform one scene in in the film, obviously like Doctor Doctor Moreau and yeah. uh, remind me of the other. Sorry. So there's Doctor Moreau. Um, yeah, there is Eric, the Phantom of the Opera. That's right. Oh yeah, um, that's right. I was good. That's another one I had written down. Yeah. Is it like dreadful? I can't remember the name of the um, the guy. Uh, Dracula is obviously. It's written. It's written. Is. What is known as an epistolary uh, novel, i.e., it's based on letters, yeah. epistles. Yeah, of course. Um, Jonathan Harker. You know, I get That's there it. eventually. Oh, um, Johnny Harker. Yeah. Oh, oh, again, yeah. I was going to say that, but I thought I got yeah. that wrong as well. <laughs> yeah. Keanu Reeves wasn't available. So I, we, yeah, it's me. Oh, it's better um, than Keanu Reeves. And, and I love Keanu Reeves, but his Jonathan Harker performance, a bit iffy. Bit iffy. <laughs> Sorry, Keanu. It's still, You're great. it's still a wonderful film, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And Keanu, and Keanu Reeves as a human being seems to be a really, really nice guy. So, it's, yeah. It's like, so, yeah. so you're doing a Keanu Reeves. You're doing a Marlon Brando. <laughs> I know that's, that's Char- maybe not no, the version. Of course, the the, the, char- the um, Charles, the actor from the black and white version of Doctor. We don't want to talk about the was it the Val Kilmer version? No, the Val will bless him. I feel like I'm just slating amazing actors that I love and I love and respect. I don't mean that in any way. Just the films weren't weren't as well. Yeah, I think the documentary about the making of the Val Kilmer's The Island of Doctor Moreau, from what from all I've understood, and having watched a bit of the documentary. yeah, it's yeah. possibly more interesting than the film Doctor yeah. Moreau. I don't know. It's certainly a fascinating documentary and really useful for <laughs> filmmakers to watch. If you really want to understand what happens in filmmaking and producers <laughs> and so on. Um, yeah, so that yeah, I that yes, it is. It's perhaps a little self-indulgent. I don't care. It's it's just what I wanted to do. I want to have fun with this stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think self-indulge away. It's a documentary about you. You know, it's about your. It's a one-man show. It's a documentary about you. If you're not going to self-indulge, then when are you? Let's just face it. There is no. You know, you can't really escape. This is an act, a huge act of ego to actually do this. It. It's, and it's fine. I was talking to. Um, one of the uh, a couple of direct a, a director at uh, Fright Fest, not this year, but the year before when I when we just filmed, we just filmed the we spent five days filming everything in the studios, um in uh, August last year, 
shortly before Fright Fest last year, and I was talking to one of the actors, one of the directors of, who, who had a film at Fright Fest, and he was saying, "So you said, so how how personal are you getting? How you know?" And I said, "Well, I don't want it to be like a a session with a psychiatrist." He said, why not? Why not reveal all this stuff? And I'm like, okay, because it's scary. You know, I'm laying bare. Mm. Some really quite deeply personal stuff. Um, will people like me after I film, you know? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I just like, I was thinking about this, the story. There is no aspect of this film that I'm not in some sense responsible for. I cannot say a big boy did it and ran away. You know, I, I wrote it, I performed it, I directed it, as I say, with huge support. Um, I edited it, it as well. Um, you know, in fact, I've spent the last year um, leading up to Fright Fest looking at myself on screen and watching myself perform. I do not recommend this as being <laughs> potentially a a sensible thing for people to do. <laughs> um, but I couldn't afford an editor, so it was going to be down to me. So it's like, yeah, okay, that's what this is going to be about. For... But, you know, I think hopefully I've grown during the process. Hmm. You know, and it's kind of given me a lot more confidence in things as well. I did some filming for Hex Media up in Scotland, uh, recently, in fact, uh, a couple of months ago, and they gave me a page script a couple of days before filming. So, give you okay to do just do that, and I nailed it. I got it in one take, and I think it is because of the fact that it's kind of like, okay, I can actually do this. Okay, I see. Yeah, I mean, I think for actors, it's it's very strange for actors because, of course, when I was at drama school, you didn't film yourself. I'm with you know. I was at drama school in the 1980s. We didn't have phones. We didn't video. You didn't actually get to see yourself as mm. part of training. You literally, it was all stage. It was referred mm. to as stage school because it was all theatre performances. So all your reactions were from your teachers and from the audience. And which is why I was saying, it, it, somebody asked me, is it, is, recently, is it harder to do the film or to do stage? I said, it's actually easier to do stage mm. because you're communicating with the audience and you can adjust your performance sitting in the cinema for that first time watching that um was amazing and i'm so grateful because there were a whole load of mates in there so they were really supporting me they were very generous with their laughter um so it was a good 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 experience because but leading up to it was it was terrifying um but i think yeah. The fact that you're involved in so many areas of the film as well kind of did make me think, did you feel that pressure, that extra pressure? Like if you just if you just got a, a, a role in a movie, you know, obviously all the pressure's off, I guess. Um, but when you've directed it, you've edited it, and it's literally a per of extremely personal story um, to you as well. Like, did, was, was there more pressure? Was there more anxiety going into uh, it? I, I, yeah, I mean, completely unlike anything else I've ever done. Mm -hmm. um i'm hoping that you know it, it's going to be interesting it was interesting watching because of course we did how to kill monsters on the friday that yeah. was a huge experience in fact i laughed so much during how to kill monsters that i i lost my voice um <laughs> 
but it was really not, and uh, you know, and it's me on a, a in my cameo in, 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 in the parts that I'm in. It's me on a big screen, and it's like, oh, this actually works. Because I, I remember the <laughs> filming. You know, when you do the filming, you think, oh, God, is this going to work? This is because yeah. it's very much casting against type. In fact, deliberately, Paul and Stuart said, "Yeah, you're such a nice guy, Nick. We want you to play something completely different." Oh, I know okay. this film's called How to Kill Monsters, but we don't want you to be a monster. No, so. no. <laughs> what? Wasn't, yeah. I kind of stay playing a monster. Is he a monster? And I thought that it, it's like, yeah, playing all those those different things. I thought, oh, this works. This, this has worked yeah. really, really well. It's very difficult for an actor when you're doing film because you do have so little control over it. Mm. As an actor, if you are just being a part, you know, you do your best on stage. You remember your lines, don't trip over the furniture. Um, and then it's out of your control. You can be cut, you can be edited, you know, the whole way it is put together, mm. your yeah, timing is actually in the your your timing as a performer mm. is in the hands of the editor. It's yours as well within your speech, but the way it's cut and so on, that's down to the editor, and that can have a huge impact on the way the performer performance is perceived. When you're doing film, it's a lot out of your control. I mean, the great, you know, the flip side of doing high end monsters was like it was all in my my control. It was all good, but at least I was able to say, okay, yeah, this bit works better. This is the best mm. scene. You know, this is the best shot that we got. Um, but yeah, so it was a lot of pressure. I mean, the filming of it, we filmed over five days, and we started at seven o'clock in the morning on those days and worked through till six o'clock each day. I think we. Wow. Called it a day at about 3.30 on the Friday. Because apart by then, I was exhausted. It's yeah. just like, I I can't, I can't do any more. This, no. this is enough now. I, you know, I have nothing else to give because it's really, you know, it is nothing but me. And it's not like normally when you're acting on stage, it's obviously very rare to do a monologue. And it's very rare to do a monologue directed to the audience. Mm. Normally, if you're in normal filming, you're you're playing with another actor. You I love that word playing. You know, you're having a game with the other actor. You're kind mm. of bouncing backwards and forwards, and that's always the fun of it. And oh yeah, you did that. Oh, that means my character would do this. Oh, this is fun. Let's try this. Let's do this again. Um. So yeah, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. I am so pleased. It's done. And after the um, reaction at Fright Fest, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing it in other audiences. They're about um, just about announced. They've just announced that it's screening in Belgium. That's going to be interesting because that's going to be wow, watching okay. it with an audience who taught English, but who Flemish is there first language so it's going to be really interesting to see what the reaction there um i'm still not sure if the next one's actually been announced or not um but it it should be announced in the next few days um there's another screening happening in london but that's going to be part of a uh academic event as well as oh, a film festival. Is that i mean that was the next question i was going to say i mean after the premiere at fright fair where will people be, be able to watch the film is that is it going to be available it's streaming online somewhere eventually or... it, we, eventually yeah we're definitely going to be doing a blu-ray which i had which is now the timing of which 
maybe delaying until the new year. I'd had hoped to get it out by the end of this year, but we're now um, as a result of other conversations. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm just waiting. And also it's with a couple of distributors to see what they think about it. Though I suspect it'll probably just, uh, it will definitely be available on Blu-ray um, either by the end of this year or early next year. Um, and then hopefully, and then the plan one way or another is yes, it will be available streaming. Amazing. Wonderful. I mean, so, I mean, the last thing I was going to ask was, mm. um, obviously there's a theme that runs through the documentary exploring, uh, your sexuality and then the duality of hiding behind a mask in various movie roles and how, to, how both of those things kind of compare to each other. But what would you like, uh, audiences to take away from I Am Monsters? I think we're all monsters. I think, you know, that is the final message of the, of the film is that we are all in inverted commas monsters. And I think that's very much part of being human. Um, that we, you know, listen, being human, as far as I understand it, after 65 years knocking around this planet is very much a fight between darkness and light, good and evil, however you want to put it. And Buddhists describe it as, greed, anger, and stupidity versus courage, wisdom, and compassion. I've always liked that. Um, and I think that's what it is to be human. And sometimes we get tired, we get bad-tempered, we get, you know, and there are people who suffer terrible abuse as children who sadly tend to go on to become abusers themselves and... There are all, and there are drugs, and there are all other sorts of things. Um, so what do I, yeah, let's learn, treat people with a little bit of compassion, respect, listen to the stories. I think that's really important as well, listening to other people's stories. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'd hope people would take away from this. And there are plenty of amazing stories within the documentary to, to listen to as well. I mean, you are a great storyteller. Even during even during this podcast, I find myself kind of leaning in, feeling at ease, uh, just just <laughs> listening you. to the stories, uh, which is always good. Which is always good because most of the time I'm like, "When's it my turn to talk?" But <laughs> I'm joking, of course. I'm not like that. As a podcast host, what me? Yeah, oh, no, of course. Not. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've been on your side of the camera. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, so what, are you working on anything currently or next, or is it all of the post I am monster stuff? This, this, this sort of. Uh, I have so much I'm supposed to be doing. Um, there are two uh, outlines for screenplays. Um, there's the third volume of short stories. Uh, there is a novella, um, which. I'm working on it. I've been started plotting and so on. Um, so every time I wake up in the morning, it's just like, oh God, what's the most pressing, urgent thing that I have to get done today? All these things that are crowding my yeah. mind. What do I have to have to have to do today? Um, so yes, I think third volume of short stories. I had. I'm really aiming for the end of October. Uh, I'll be self-publishing uh, if not in the beginning middle of november but i'm really pushing want to push myself having said that i've just lost a week and a half to a stinking gulf and it's just wiped me out um but there again you know it has been a really quite kind of tough year and a half 
So I'm, I'm going to be. So yeah, lots of writing. Um, and literally something dropped in my inbox day before yesterday, um, which looks like a really interesting acting project. Um, so I'm really Man. hoping that that comes to be because it's. Uh, I've just started reading the script before You've we started busy. talking. You've been yeah. extremely creative in, in on lots of different media. It's good to hear. Um, brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us, Nicholas. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, great that we finally managed to catch up with you. Um, Thank you, Ben. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening if you enjoyed the show mm. become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music and thanks to ACAST for hosting the show please give us a rating or review head over to our Facebook group for more thanks again Nicholas uh, take care and see you soon thank you you too Ben Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.